podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome to the Puppy Plan Podcast. Hey! It's Pod three three nine, and it's a very special one this week because we are joined by a Palace legend. It's Mister Kevin Day, ladies and gentlemen. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm joined by two Palace legends here, of course, Kevin Day and Adam Sellers. But the one and only Clinton Morrison is going to join us later on. We've just recorded the interview, and I think it's probably. One of the best ones we've done, Kevin. It was, as ever, in Clinton's presence, an enjoyable hour. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say there hasn't been an interview that hasn't been. You know, Jeff Thomas was brilliant a couple of weeks ago, but this Clinton one is up there. It's 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 short dairy levels, really. Just the man's passion and honesty. I mean, he clearly hasn't been media trained enough, as we as we said as we will say it's complicated isn't it? as we because we spoke as we will say after the pod but somebody with more media training wouldn't have said some of the things that he said about managers at palace but it just as every palace fan you just want to hear from somebody who played for the club that they're as passionate and enthusiastic about the club as as we are and, and my god that's you you hear that Hundred percent more from Clinton. Well, someone, and also it's good as well because he knows he's known Chelsea for a long time. And it's clear that he, he he it's clear that he likes me and you, but it's clear that he trusts Chelsea. So it's it's good that he was relaxed and he was able to you know Chelsea tease some stuff out of him about his mum, which is you know, <laughs> sounds a bit naughty. It doesn't. Yeah, sorry, I'm probably <laughs> might need to. <laughs> I might need to rephrase that. I mean, but yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. You'll 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 hear in the interview. But it's a great you'll interview. Hear in a yeah, and obviously, Sales has been an important part in his yeah. in his career as well. Because you've you must have known him when he was what 13, was 14. Well, no, I was. He, I didn't come until he was a little bit older, probably just around the time he was breaking into the team. But then I would see him often, and he was like I said to you, he's a sort of brash young bloke, but. In a night, you know, he didn't offend you in any way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he was just a sort of, I kind of like it that he had that sort of swagger and confidence, really, because it was it was always harmless and not nasty, is how I would describe it. You know, you wouldn't go, what a horrible bloke. You just go, yeah, he makes you laugh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was kind of my take on him. It wasn't like, I didn't think he's a horrible <laughs> lad. I just thought he was chirpy, I suppose, is the way you'd describe him. But... He had a good heart, really. You know what I mean. Beneath all that sort of 
gob on the top. He was he was really um, he had a very good heart. Really, he's one he's one of those players. Still, it's it, frustrating for me as a Palace fan because fans of other clubs. You mentioned Clinton Morrison, they'll all, they'll always go yeah, mouthy because they didn't they didn't see what a good player he was week in week out. He was a he was a top class striker. He was a really good striker. Thing yeah, is, I think I think you need these personalities also in the game and stuff like that. It makes it what it is, you know, people talking and stuff. And as a pundit, I think he's absolutely excellent, by the way. Yeah, I, I think he's very, very good. Like, talk sense, especially when he's talking about Palace. Whenever I even talk about Palace, it's always very rational and correct. And I suppose that's why he likes my view, because it's probably not too dissimilar in that, you know, you take a sort of measured look at things overall and think we've got a bloke in charge who's very steady and doesn't look like he's going to let you get into trouble too much. And, you know, I, I actually think where we are now, if we could bring in a couple of forward players this summer of, you know, some youth and pedigree, I think we could kick on a bit because we get a couple of better options to come off the bench in forward areas. I think we really could do do quite well but that's that's the next step someone else that's also passionate about palace is this week's random patron can i get a drum roll please Ooh. is it going to be me it's not you have i, I should well, do you okay. as um, it's, you're not random enough. i am a patron you and are. i am very random so i could <laughs> i could qualify this week's is mr aaron mcgeever hi, hi aaron. hello aaron. top man aaron thanks for your support and you can join us at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast where we've been doing lots of extra pods through the lockdown and this weekend we are doing a have we <laughs> we have um, <laughs> this weekend we're doing a patron only watch along party on zoom for Palace's game against Bournemouth you can join our patron for as little as 80p a month and you can join us to watch I'd like to, have done to watch that you are invited Kevin <laughs> As well to watch that game with us, we're going to try and recreate. I'm not paying. I'm not paying eighty p a month for that. <laughs> it's money well spent. And we're going to try and recreate sort of the Porson's atmosphere. We're going to we're going to get back into the swing of things. Uh, so go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash fyp podcast for details on that. Have you got a bleeper ready for that or not? Uh, yeah. No, I should probably put a disclaimer. It will be live. So uh, are we yes. going to recreate? We're going to recreate the Porson's atmosphere by having a suspiciously long queue at the toilet. <laughs> I knew you were yeah. going to say that. <laughs> this week's article. From the Athletic, our sponsors, is about kicking on and going into Europe. If you visit the Athletic, of course, a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace, a subscription-based website and app, completely ad-free, no ads, no annoying pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. And it's funny you guys talking about ambition because this week's article by Ed Malian, it's called Palace should aim for Europe, even if only previous away day was a disaster. And in fact, it is a diary of that trip to Turkey back in 1998, uh, which Clinton would have been a part of, I guess, actually, um, when they played. Wasn't the pre-season game the Terry Venable's first game back in charge? Yeah. And I think they didn't think we played. It was like a, it was the Intertoto, and we played. It was sort Friday of thought night. about as a pre-season friendly, wasn't it? And didn't they, well, I think it was a Sunday, Kev? Was it Sunday afternoon? I can't remember. But anyway, either or, they didn't think many people would turn up, and they had to delay the kickoff by quite a while just to yeah. get everyone in. So well, I think we got beat two 0 Yeah, Where's that they right? played. They transport. They passed us off the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, they were, Sam, and Sam and I, 
Samson's, Samson's ball, ball being put. It, yeah. And I, I think there was about 300 Turkish fans who were brilliant because they made a lot of noise all the way through. And a lot of us, we were planning to go to the second game, but uh, we just decided there really was no point because they just... Because we... It was a strange competition as well because uh, uh, I think we got invited to be in it because we, we'd finished yeah. second... The bottom, rock bottom. Certainly had rock bottom. And nobody else wanted to play in this, essentially what was a loser's cup. Uh, but we ended up in it. And we, you know, I, I remember being in the pub before and everyone was really excited. It's like a proper start of a European tour, but... No, so we, we probably need to listen to the athletic article, don't we? Because well, I imagine this might come up in it. Because well, bear in mind that themselves, we, remember we yeah we did really well in the Anglo Italian Cup in the in the 70s. That was just about before me. That I think yeah was, I was it? Gonna say yeah. I started in seventy six. Twentieth of April nineteen seventy six. Nil nil draw at home to Aldershot. The shape of things yeah. to come. That was. I, I wasn't actually Napoleon's army, but I remember the Battle of Waterloo. So I've read Every time. So this, this article in the Athletic has a has a great sort of diary of that the, the away trip to Samson Spur um, with some quotes from Chris Lehman, who we talked about earlier. From one more point, he's obviously yeah. released his book now, uh, which is available at Amazon. It's called "Is This the Program?" Um, and there's links on our social media. So go and definitely go and buy a copy of that. Um, but the bit in the article I want to concentrate on is Ed talking about Palace now, you know, trying to maybe get back into Europe. And I know we sort of, we do talk, Clinton does mention it in the podcast today. Let me read a little excerpt. It says, the slightly depressing question is whether Palace would even want to qualify for Europe. It is already a thin aging squad that needs rebuilding. The prospect of at least six extra midweek fixtures being shoehorned into a tough Premier League season would potentially stretch the club's resources beyond breaking point. There would be an uplift in revenue from competing in the Europa League, but the extra cash from prize money and TV rights would get nowhere close to filling the hole left by relegation, which could be more likely with the added burden of trips to the continent. It's doubtful if they would say it in public, but those at the top of the club would unlikely be popping the champagne corks if they qualified for the Europa League. Kevin, it reminds me of when Burnley got into the Europa League and then next season struggled massively. Is that is that an opinion you share or would you like to see Palace go for it? I, well, I, I'll cast you my firm back to Fulham when Roy Hodgson took them to the final of the Europa League. I don't think any Fulham fan would, would not have that experience. I can't, I would bite your hand off now for a European place. Absolutely. And I don't care what social distancing is going on. If we get into Europe, I'll start away on a ferry, I'll get on an easy jet. Because <laughs> as, a, as a Palace fan, you know, Burnley didn't go down in the end. I think there's, there's this myth. You know, we, we might not win the Premier League if we're in Europe, but I don't think this only means we'll go down. It, it, it might force us to buy some some younger players and get some energy, but I would, I would adore us for, to get in the Europa League. Of course I would. It's a, it's a sign of ambition. It's a sign of achievement. I would, I would you know, if, if things were normal and we were seeing not, not even top-class European teams, just European teams. So imagine what the atmosphere would be like if we've yeah. got, a, you know, someone like Anderlecht coming to Sellers Park or or, or we, we we get on, we get someone like Inter Milan coming to Sellers. It would be amazing. I'd love to see that at Sellers Park. I'd love the publicity. It would help us attract players. I, I can't understand people that go, oh, it's a chore, it's a burden. I would, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. And I, I, I suspect... I'm not entirely sure, given the running we've got, that we'll be able to get enough points to be there. But um, and I love Clinton's optimism. And as soon as we've got the one point we need to keep us safe, I'll be going. No, let's, let's look up. Let's let's see if we can get the points. Let's see if we can can head for Europe. Because if we can't do it this season, let's try and do it next season. As long as you do it 
sensibly. It's not like you don't break the bank to try and get in the Champions League like like some clubs do, because that's probably beyond us at the moment. But oh, I'd love a place in the Europa League. Of course I would. Um, where do we have to finish, Jim? In the top seven or top six? What, what do we have to do? It sort of depends on what happens with Man, Man City's City, yeah. appeal, doesn't it? So, and what, and what the outcome is of that. Because presumably Sheffield United, if they finish fifth or Leicester, will then take their place. Yeah. But then it's, it's not a given that the, the next Europa place will go one step down, if you see what I mean. It might go to another country. It all depends on coefficients. But a top seven finish would should guarantee it, and a top eight finish might. Mm. Well, if I, I have to say, looking at the level of opposition, you know, if Crystal Palace finished in eighth place and we were above Arsenal or Tottenham, for instance, at the end of this yeah. season, that would be a phenomenal achievement with the squad that we've got. Probably the greatest ever, in all honesty. Yeah. And Celsius, do you, I mean, do we think there'd be a situation where if, you know, the miracle does happen, we do qualify for Europe, that actually the, the spending budget then changes and we do actually maybe go and buy a few more players and, 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 and all the kind of plan for the summer actually gets sort of revamped a bit? I think if you've got a 25-man squad and a couple of young players, I think it's all doable. And I don't... And, I mean, Roy would probably relish it, given his experience with Fulham, as, yeah. I mean, yeah. as Kev said. I mean, the team he took... in the, the, the team Fulham fielded in the final, I'm so staggered. I, I'm no Fulham fan. I know the team off the top of my head just because, <laughs> just because of how extraordinary it was. Yeah. I mean, you want to know about Roy as a coach... They got to their team in the Europa League final, and this is off the top of my head, and I think I'm right. Mark Schwarzer. Yeah. They had Chris Baird. Yeah, um, Brader Hangerland, Aaron Hughes, Paul, Paul Konczewski. Yeah, they had Dixon Atuhu in midfield, <laughs> right? You're laughing. Simon Davis, Zoltan Guerra, Damien Duff and Danny Murphy, I think. And then up front, they had Bobby Zamora. Zamora. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. that team beat Juventus 4-1 at Craven Cottage, yeah, by the way. Yeah. And to be honest, the Europa League, I wouldn't hold any fear because, you know, you, you're competing with the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's and the Man United's, Man City's, Tottenham's, Liverpool's every week in the Premier League. There's nothing that's going to be in the Europa League to, to frighten you in that respect, given that. In fact... It should be slightly lesser, given that the bigger teams in each country will be in the Champions League. So, yeah. you know, I'd I'd absolutely love it if we could we could have a go, and if we can add a few players to the squad, you know, that's what we'd have to do. But I I, I don't think necessarily that doing something like that would result in us being relegated or anything. I think. You build a squad that's good enough, like Wolves have. They've managed it quite well, haven't they? Well, that's that. The thing is, talking to Clinton, it throws into uh, sort of stark relief our, our striking problems, isn't it? Because we had we had him, we had Doogie, we had Andy Johnson. We had three strikers who could play in various combinations, and that's something we haven't really had for a, a, well, a long at, time. At the know? moment, if you look at us as forwards, we've got. We've got Jordan Ayew, Christian Benteke, Wilf and Andros Townsend. That's it. Yeah. You know, you need yeah. another three forward players in your squad, really, that can can do it. If you if you said to me we could have Ollie Watkins, I think Clint played with him at Exeter as well. Yeah. So I should have asked him about that. And Ben Rama, let's say, and said you can put those two in the mix for next year. And you've suddenly got six and you've got three blokes on the bench each week that can make a difference when they come on. It would do wonders for us, I think, and that might be the difference between us getting on 
a little bit better than we have because I think in all the seasons we've done well in the Premier League, it's when we've had, or periods, I should say, it's when we've had a good amount of firepower, not just on the park, but on the bench as well. I mean, at the end of last season, you had Sacco back, you had Batshuayi, you had AU, you had uh, Wilf, you had Andros. You know, you had Benteke, you had play. At least you could perm three players out of those or whatever every week. And you had three more on the bench that could come on and make a difference. Well, I think now... He, Roy doesn't have that luxury of those forward players to come on and make a difference, really. And I the, think. The, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the, the problem is, though, so is it, I think there's a couple of Brentford players. If Brentford don't get in the playoffs or don't get from the playoffs into the, the Premier League, there's a couple of Brentford players that we've been linked with on and off for a while. But as Clinton said about criticising Parish, if we bring in two Brentford strikers, there'll still be a lot of Palace fans who go, well, where's the ambition? Why well, are we spending would, the big I, money? I would say that probably we need two younger players there that are going to excite us. And I think those two both could. And even if one of them doesn't crack it, really, you'd still be able to move them on further on back to the championship. And I think both of those would be very decent for us, I have to say. If we got those two and Nathan Ferguson to bring our squad up to 25 players, I'll yeah. go into next year thinking we'll do better than we have this season. And also Roy's, Roy's knowledge of European football is... Second to none, he's, he's probably got a better reputation abroad than he has here as a as a coach, as a technical coach. So that wouldn't hold any fears either. They, you know, I, I just think it would be exciting. It'd be an adventure. Be, with this, with you know, with the year we've had for the for the world and the nation and for football, to have that as a potential and to, to for us to even be talking about it, as we've we've joked about it in years gone by on podcasts yeah. and not not really taking it seriously. We probably aren't really taking it seriously now, but we're, but we're closer to it being a potential than we have been for some seasons. And I think that's a, a reflection. It, it, it harks back to what Clinton was saying about where the club are, established, fingers crossed, Premier League club. But that's a reflection of what progress we've been making, that we are semi-seriously, even semi-seriously, talking about getting a place in Europe. I'm, I'm all for Me it. too. I'm, I, love the, I love it actually talking about Europa League football. This is... Uh... Just the new kits we see as well. Imagine oh, that. What a, what a summer it's going to be. Well, listen, we, we're going to hear from Clinton in a minute uh, in part two. Before I do that, I need to remind you that if you visit the athletic.co.uk forward slash FIP, you can start a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your year's subscription. You can read that article from Ed and plenty more. Right, after the break, it's the one and only Clinton Morrison. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. 
Our guest this week is another Palace legend on the podcast. He came through the youth ranks at Sellers, scored on his debut, and then went on to score a total of 113 goals, which makes him the joint fourth highest goal scorer, tied with Mark Bright, although I know he disputes Brighty's record on that, which I'm sure we'll come on to. He's now one of the best pundits on TV, and I'm delighted we've managed to tear him away from eating pucker pies. Other pies are available. It's the one and only Clinton Morrison. Clinton, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be really good. Top man. How are you? I'm good. Not too bad. Obviously, this crazy COVID-19 we're in at the moment, but it slowly looks like we might be coming out at the end of it. But no, it's, it's, been, it's been good. I'll tell you the one thing I have done is I've, I've lost over a stone, so I've got fit again. So that's what I needed to do. So I run like 5K every day. I do a hit class. Then I do some weights and sit-ups with my friends for three workouts a day. So I'm feeling much better. So if Palace need a striker, I could come out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Clinton, you might be feeling better. You've just made me and Selsey feel a lot yeah, worse. Nah, you're both fit in your own mind. You're both yeah, fit so in your own mind. <laughs> you should no, be a I've personal I've trainer. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm keyboard fit these days. Keyboard fit. <laughs> so he's always been keyboard fit. <laughs> I can use my fingers. My sausage yeah. fingers, all right. So I'm all right. I'm out of it. Um, I want to talk to you about your time at Palace because obviously yeah. you've been on the post-match extra pod for our patrons a few times talking about Palace, but I really want to talk about. Uh, your memories. Before we do that, though, obviously yeah. football is back this week. Palace are oh. back this week, and I'm just wondering right. from from a, hey Celtic yeah. from an ex-player's perspective, how how difficult or easy are the players going to find this going into this current situation? You know, no fans, all these tests, changing yeah. in boardrooms, all this crazy stuff we're hearing. Is that going to be difficult? Yeah, it will be difficult, but I think the players are just happy to be back out there playing football. I think. This period has been a big a big one for all players, I think mentally as well, because this prepares you for what it's going to be like when you retire. Because some of them, are, lots of players that I've been speaking to said they've been bored at home. They don't know what to do with themselves because you're used to the day-to-day training, going yeah. and having the banter, obviously on the training pitch, playing games and stuff like that. I spoke to um, um, Patrick um, Bernano, not, well, he's about what was it, about six weeks ago, he was going still crazy. Obviously, just they just had a new baby in the house as well. So he just he was just desperate to get out of the house. He was going, he just wanted to go back and play football. And I said to him, are you not worried? And he was like, no, nah, he's not worried because they get tested twice. So he was kind of comfortable with it. And then it, it looks like it's worked brilliantly at Palace. Um, they look like they're ready to roll. Roy's been, even Roy's been on the training pitch. He looks healthy and fit. And they all look like they're raring to go. And what the good thing about um, Crystal Palace is, well, well, Palace, I should say Palace, because I'm <laughs> Palace through and through. It's my team. I support them as well as Tottenham as everyone yes, knows. We can, um, we can actually get into Europe. I think there's a great opportunity. I think we're three points off Tottenham who are in eighth. And maybe if Man City do get a ban, we've got a chance of finishing Europa League. And what an achievement that would be for, Chris, for our team, Crystal Palace. So it would be brilliant. But, First and I mean, foremost, I think everyone's happy that they're back um, training and obviously going to be playing. And they've got a big game against Bournemouth coming up on the weekend. This is why I love having you on, because you're just so positive. I love it. You have to be positive. I thought we were... I thought, listen, form's going to go out the window. I thought before the, yeah. the, the lockdown, I thought Palace were playing brilliant, in particular Jordan Ayer. He's kind of... He's been a revelation this season. I didn't really think he could come and deliver what he's done, but he scored some really important 
important goals in, in critical stages. Obviously, the Brighton game was a brilliant game. I thought Benteke, even though he hasn't been scoring goals, I thought he played a big part so and done ever so well setting up yeah. the goal for Jordan Ayew. So, and we, listen, Brighton were probably the better team on the day, but one thing you get with the Palace boys is that the grit and determination, they know how to defend. And, I, and I've said it many a times, I think Gary Cahill coming into that um, back line has been sensational. He's probably the best free transfer that was out there this summer. I don't understand how no big, not big club, I shouldn't say that because Palace, we are a big club, but someone like an Arsenal who yeah. would have been challenging up for the top four didn't go for him because it's one of the best free transfers I've seen. Yeah, um, yeah, he's been fantastic for us. And just, just briefly then on our squad, because obviously yeah. it's, not, it's not a huge squad and we've had injuries and stuff. Yeah. All these games are being packed in now. It's like two games a week. Yeah. We've seen in the Bundesliga quite a lot of clubs having injuries in the first few weeks. Can Palace survive that with this squad? Yeah, we've, we've been really... Um, we've had some bad injuries, even when we're playing just Saturday to Saturday. So we can definitely survive this. Somehow Roy's got the boys patched up and they're back on. I think everyone's fit now, raring to go. So it is a good squad and we'll have to use it. We will. You saw Jairo Riedeveld come in. He done particularly well. I, I don't think he's a left-back. But I think he's a very good midfielder. So, you know, there's lots of places in midfield. Obviously, you keep Will fit. Andros Townsend's coming back. Jeffrey Slot, Jordan Ayew, Ben Teke. The list goes on and on. So, and defensively, we're strong now. I think Sacco's back and stuff like that. Tompkins. So, yeah. we, we've got really, we've got a strong um, a strong squad. If we can have a good end to the season, it'll be good. At, usually, this time of the year, you're always worrying, will we get relegated? I don't think we'll get, we're nowhere near going to get relegated. We're looking further up. And let's go and try and finish the highest we can. I predicted... I did something the other day in interviewing someone and I predicted Palace would finish eighth. I could be wrong, but I think we'll finish ahead of Burnley and stuff like that. I do believe we've got a good chance. We do, you do realise, Clinton, it's your fault now if we go down, don't you? Yeah, yeah, but I, you know what, Kev? 100%, I'll say it on here, we are not going down. There is absolutely no chance. There's three worse teams than us in that Premier League. <laughs> have, you, have you watched any of the Bundesliga, Clinton? Uh, because in, in the first two weeks, they seemed a bit... A bit nervous, a bit yeah. tentative, but since then the game's been played at 100. percent It's been full tilt, yeah. and and the kind of once you get used to the crowd not being there, it's proper football again, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. That's the only thing you'll miss as um as a player um is the fans. I I used to love it. Sozzy would tell you you'll see it as well. Okay, and Jim would have come into seeing how I used to love getting involved with fans, but that's just the way I thrived of playing. Some players might find it easier because some players might not like the pressure of playing where fans are having a go at them and then they might be able to express themselves. So, but I've watched a lot of the German football. It did take a bit of time and now it's hit full tilt. Listen, what we've got to realise, we've only got nine games to go. So it's not, it's so difficult. You've got to just hit the ground running. So I think the few games that they've had behind closed doors and stuff will help the team. But it's, it's like pre-season. Anyone will tell you it's going to be so difficult. I can't expect someone to go in and hit the ground running straight away. It's going to take three or four games, but we haven't got that long at the moment. So credit to the players. Though. They're all looking forward to it. And I'm just as excited as the players are at the moment. I'm excited now as well. I was kind of excited. Now I'm super excited. Uh, hearing you talk about <laughs> What's interesting, JD, about the um, about Clinton thinking about the eighth place finish is I think there's only two games out of the nine or whatever we got left that that are against teams that are below us, pretty much in yeah. the table. So yes. I mean, we got to play Burnley, we got to play Tottenham, we got exactly. to play Wolves, we got to play Man United, Chelsea, Leicester, and Liverpool. So to a degree. If we are to sort of steal a march and get ourselves further up the table, it is in our own uh, hands to a point if we can pull off some of the results. Yeah, yeah. I agree with Selzy there. And you know what? Against the big teams, we might as well go for it. I know the Liverpool game 
it's going to be a difficult game in a, um, in a week, few weeks and stuff. They're all going to be difficult games because Chelsea, Leicester, they've all got something to go on. And obviously, Bournemouth, who we're playing on the weekend, they're trying to fight relegation. So all the games that we've got at the moment are going to be difficult. But we thrive on playing against the big teams. I think we're hard to beat and we play counter-attacking football. And we could cause a few problems. And as Chelsea said, it's in our own hands. And why not? Listen, even if we don't finish eighth or we finish 10th or 11th, it's still been a good season. With all the injuries that we've had, Roy's got that squad playing really well. And I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed watching Palace this season. I'm not going to lie. I've enjoyed it. I hope the fans have, because I definitely have. Listen, there's been a few games where it hasn't been good. I, I, I get that. We're not, we're not going to keep every fan happy, but that's just the Premier League. It's the best league in the world. And, and we, Crystal Palace, lonely Crystal Palace, who everyone likes to say we are, are doing ever so well to compete with the big boys. Yeah. Also, the last couple of seasons, Clinton, it's around this time of the season that Roy sort of lets the handbrake off a little bit. Once yeah. we get to sort of 39 yes. points, and then we see PVA sort of defend, he's playing 10, 15 yards further up the pitch. And it, we, tend to, we tend to be a bit more bit more relaxed and a bit more open, don't we, this team, and pick up some points. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. It will be. Listen, I speak, when I go to Palace, I speak to Ray, and he keeps saying to me, stop, keep saying that um, we're safe. Until we get to the 39, 40 point, then we're safe. I said, sorry, Ray, it's just what I see in the Premier League. I watch every game, and I think we'll be safe from the squad we got. He said, no, don't keep saying that. He said, but just keep praising us. I said, I'd always keep praising you. Don't worry about it. But no. <laughs> you, you are right. I do think we'd be more attacking. Like, yeah, the shackles are off. This is nine games to go. Let's go and express ourselves. And I think most of the players will, will do that because they've had a break now, a really long break, and they're just looking forward to getting back out onto the football pitch. OK, speaking of expressing yourself, I want to take <laughs> you back to the late 90s. Yeah. And I have a memory of my a season ticket in the uh, family stand opening up the programme looking yeah. at the youth team pictures and seeing this lad with bright blonde hair <laughs> and thinking, he looks really cool. I'd love to see him play in the first team. And then lo and behold, not long afterwards, he comes off the bench, last game of the season, scores the winner, set up by Tilio Lombardo yes. in front of the home set. Talk us a little bit just about sort of breaking into the team, playing in the youth team and what that was like. And obviously try and explain the blonde hair. Yeah, JD, let's be honest. You saw the blonde hair and thought, look at this big-time Charlie little player. Like, that's just what everyone, everyone else thought. And me looking back at it now, I even thought to myself, what was I doing? But I was flash. I wanted to give it the big one. But now, when I was playing through the youth team, coming through the youth team was, was brilliant. We had some exciting young players. Players like Gareth Graham, who, who never really went on to fulfil his potential. Do you know why? He had a bad injury in a cup game we had in a reserve game. And he got a broken leg. He would have been a star because he was one of the, the best youngsters I played with at Crystal Palace in midfield. But we had a lot of um, talented players. I played up front with Leon McKenzie in my first year. He was his second year. Hayden Mullins obviously went on to have a superb career. There's loads. I could go on. Tony Fowler. There's a lot of Irish boys that played in our team that were really good. And I really enjoyed playing in the youth team. It made me laugh because when we'd finished our youth team game at Mitchum, I'd say to, I'd always go to the first team game and you had to do your job before. And Bruce Fire would be, he'd be the main man um, for Palace in the first team. And I'd go in there and they're, they're preparing for a game. And then someone would say, oh, Clint, did you score today? I said, yeah, I scored again. Hat trick for the youth team. I said, I'm coming to take his place, <laughs> Bruce Fire's place. And everyone, everyone to this day now, even Bruce, he still reminds me, such a flash little kid coming in the change room. They're preparing for a big game and I'm coming in, like doing the jobs that I've got to do as a youth team. And I'm telling the first team manager back then, I want to, you should put me in the first team. But I, I've managed to get my break. I think it was, yeah, it was Cops and 
Ray Lou and I think Steve Kemba, they had a part to play with it as well. They, they were big influences for me. Obviously, when I was coming through at Crystal Palace, in particular, Steve Koppel, he kind of got me. He got the way I was brought up and how I was and stuff like that. I could go and speak to him anytime I want. And he just put me on the bench. We were already relegated, but as a Premier League, Sheffield Wednesday, I just remember coming on and thinking to myself, just go and enjoy it. But one thing I thought when I then you're going to get a chance. So when you get the chance, just make contact and you'll find the back of the net. And I just remember it. It was a long ball, I think, played over the top. And Pressman, Kevin Pressman comes there. But Antonio Lombardo is so good, kind of nicks the ball around and gets to the byline, crosses it left foot. And I think me and the Sheffield Wednesday defender are grappling. But he's looking at me thinking, look how skinny he is, because I'm telling you now, the kick didn't fit me. It was hanging off me. And he's thinking, I'm not getting it. This um, Clayton Morrison ain't getting it from me. But I was all wiry and kind of had that skinny strap. So I kind of leaned on him. I just remember left foot stroking it into the bottom corner. And usually I've got a good celebration into my head. I didn't know what to do. I just ran to Antilio Lombardo and rubbed his bald head and that was it. And and that was it. I just kind of, then I said to myself, I'm ready. But then it took a bit of time to actually get back into the first team, which I I didn't mind because I was still learning. But it was a great moment to score on my debut. For my boyhood team, it gave me the opportunity. Special moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you couldn't miss. It was, no, it I couldn't was, miss. If I had missed that, I would never have played again. And Chelsea, I guess, would have probably told me about it in, in, in the stands. As if, as if. I was just thinking about you talking about Bruce Dyer taking his place. Yeah, you, yeah. Might, have been, you might have been young, but you realised he couldn't trap a blind man. I knew Chelsea was going to say that. I knew Chelsea was going to say that. I was waiting. I, I lined him up for that. Oh, man. Oh, man. Clinton, I was thinking about you expressing yourself before the second leg of that League Cup semi-final <laughs> against Liverpool. I'll tell you, you, you know what, Kevin? When you, ex- you expressed the view that we were going to beat them up there yeah, as well, no, going to Wembley. You know what, I'll tell you the story, because I like to, <laughs> this is a true story. So, obviously, I think at that time, I was scoring goals every week. I had about 10 in my last nine games. Obviously, Heskey and Owen missed a lot of chances on the day, but in particular, the media wanted to highlight Michael Owen missing. Obviously, I scored, we, we were 2-1 up. So, I've come out of the ground after, and I know straight away, my emotions are running high and I'm thinking I'm the man at the moment. Maybe I shouldn't have done that interview. If I'd known what I know now, I would have done the interview. But I came out and I said, it was like, oh, good game. And we'll talk about Palace, how we did well in the second leg. And then they were saying, oh, the, um, Michael Owen didn't have a great night. And I said, no. Before my men at the moment, the chances that Michael Owen missed, I would have scored. So that was all I said. So I kind of left it. We moved on and I thought to myself, nothing of it. A few days later, I got into training and the lads are like, Clinton, He's such a big mouth. You don't know what to shut your mouth. Like, what are you talking about? Just scored the winner. To te- you know, in the, in the semi-final of a cup. You lot should appreciate me. But no, being, I look, they said, go and look at the paper. The headline, Clinton Morrison will teach Michael Owen how to score goals. What the hell was I thinking? I didn't say that. Michael Owen, you know, one of the best strikers there were in world football at the time. So I kind of, yeah, I regret what I said. I didn't really say it, but it got twisted. And you just got to learn that because things can get twisted. The, the trouble is, we went up to the game on the train and we're sitting there going, well, Clinton seems confident. We might we might get something out of this. I was confident. Michael, <laughs> this is the best bit. This is the best bit. They battered us. So they battered know, us. Yeah, Michael Owen weren't playing. He's in, the cr- he's, in, um, he's in the crowd and stuff like that. But I get a chance. I'm getting stick from um, uh, in front of the cop and I'm thinking, the balls fell to me six yards out on the volley. Clint, just make contact and score. Whatever happens, we're not winning this game. I've done the biggest air shot ever <laughs> and I missed it. But that one the worst. Thing. Gary McAllister comes up past me and goes, Clint, 
Don't worry about it, mate. Michael Owen would have scored that. Oh, I didn't know what to say. I had nothing to come back to him. And usually I'm the biggest mouth ever. I just had to be quiet. Looked over to the bench and thought, Gaffer, please sub me. But now he left me on. So you live and learn from mistakes that you made. So, yeah, it was, it was one of those Have you ever spoken to Michael Owen about that? You're yeah, I did. Past. I saw him on holiday in Portugal and I said it to him. He said, no, no worries. It's, it's fine. Um, we just move on. But at the time, you do start worrying because... You just start thinking to yourself, I've not said it, but if I did say it, then yeah, I would pick up my chest and say I did say it. But everyone, all the boys said, nah, you did say it, Claire. Because they said, that's what type of character you were. I said, well, if I did say it, don't let everyone know I said it. <laughs> well, if it's, well any Clint, Clint, if, if it's any consolation, Clint, I remember after we beat them 2-1, Alex Kalinko said to me, Selzy, why do they all say Michael Owen, good player? He rubbish. He's yeah, that's good. That's he's good. rubbish. See, because Alex was in going, he's just thinking, I've got Izzy, I've got nothing to do, he's rubbish. <laughs> but Clinton, you say, we all know how chatty you are on, yeah. off the pitch, but there's there's a few people who have played with you that say that on the pitch, you you weren't that noisy, that you were quite, you were so focused, you didn't talk too much on the pitch. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to be focused. You know what? No one really knows this, but I, until I got my first touch on the pitch, I was nervous. I was a nervous footballer going onto the football pitch. I know I don't. People don't really expect that of me because they see me arguing with everyone on the pitch when I don't get the right pass or something like that. But that's just my will to win and wanting to score goals. But until my if my touch weren't good the first time I got the ball and if I didn't do something well, I kind of put loads of pressure on myself to say the next one's got to be better. And then I was quiet and concentrated. And then when I scored a goal then you'll see Clinton come out full of confidence. But more, I was more focused of what I wanted to do. If we're 3-4-0 up, then I'll give it to the opposition and tell them they're terrible and stuff and get in their, <laughs> get in their heads. But, uh, yeah, I was nine times out of ten. The boys are right. When I was on the pitch, I was really focused. Is it, is it true, though, that you once bollocked to Rakeen in an island game? Yeah, yeah. Hey, he was moaning in the Faroe Island. I remember it. He played a pass, but it kind of didn't get to me. But he started bollocking me. But that's just the way Ray was. And I said to him, I looked at, back at him and I thought, should I bollock? I said, nah, that's a terrible ball. And I had to go back at him. We're walking off at half time, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy is going to get me in the changing room. But I'm ready. If I lose, I'm not going to go down losing. But then he came in the changing room, he put his hand up and said, yeah, no worries, Clinton. It's fine. It wasn't the best ball. And I was like, thank God for that because I didn't want to go toe-to-toe with Roy Keane. Wow. <laughs> sure. On international duty. <laughs> well, I got an apology from Roy Keane. Not yeah, exactly. <laughs> Special. <laughs> but, mate, all that, that confidence you talk about, you know, being in the changing room, you know, as yeah. a youngster and stuff, that's just you being you, isn't it? Was that just... Yeah, everyone will tell you. Like, probably, it sells he knows me the best out of um, everyone because he's obviously seen, used to be, I used to see him around the train ground and talk to me. And so will tell you I don't I don't really get on with a lot of people I'm I'm sometimes I'm a bit ignorant I'm not like that now but if I don't like you I won't talk to you I'll just walk past you and not acknowledge you at all but I needed I had to be that person on the football pitch where as I said I needed to be loud and stuff like that not always on the pitch football pitch but sometimes in the change room because that's the way I could you know Show you, showcase my ability and gave me confidence when I go onto the pitch so in the tunnel if we're playing an opposition I'd be talking to the opposition centre-halves, just looking for them. I remember Ian Wright saying to me, he always looked for the centre-halves and said, you ain't gonna have, you're not going to have a moment's peace today. And I would be like that with the centre-halves. Where literally, when we get onto the pitch, they already want to fight me or put me in rosette. So I'm already in their heads, really and truly. But that's just what got the best out of me. Listen, I've learned so much now. I'm older than when I was younger. And I, I wish there's a few things I know now that would have changed when I was younger. Just, just the way I was and how sometimes I handled managers. I didn't, I didn't show them as much as respect as I should have done. 
Yeah, but these are things you learn as you get older and as you go through your career. And yeah, everyone but then, yeah, but then you know, sometimes I was a bit too boisterous and too noisy on the pitch. And if I didn't get the right pass, I'd still be arguing with the midfielder who didn't play me the ball. And another opportunity has come to me and the fans are saying, Clinton, the ball's there. And I've missed the ball because I'm still arguing. So they're the stupid things. You've just got to let those things go out of your mind and move on to the next things. And that's what I was. I was a, I was a stubborn so-and-so. And I could have probably have had an even better career, scored more goals at Crystal Palace than I did. But I don't have no regrets because I scored goals for the boyhood team that I came through and loved at Sellers Park. And I'm not level with Mark Brown. I've definitely got one more than him. But that's I, I, think, I think, to be fair, that you are... You, you say that you weren't liked by a lot of people. I think yeah. you're obviously brash and outspoken and yeah. confident and stuff. But mm. I think in a, in a sort of quite a lovable way, really. So I think perhaps people... Yeah externally might misunderstand you a little bit more than than um, I deal with Dean Henderson at the moment and obviously he has a sort of bit of a reputation at Sheffield United as being this very confident lad and all that sort of stuff but actually he just loves football loves to play and it's his way of motivating himself and making himself right I think it's a very strange psychology he actually sort of tells everybody how good he is because it puts him under pressure to go and perform and show everyone how good he is. It's just his way of managing himself. But if you know him as a lad, he's a nice lad, he's no trouble. And, you know, he mm. randomly sent me text messages <coughs> telling me he loves me with a big car, yes. things like that. You know, it's just... I don't even it's do not that. The pers- no, you don't, Jamie. You don't love me, though. That's the difference. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying to you is this, this sort of perception of people yeah. is not always... It's not mm. always what, you know, sometimes people say to me, like fans and stuff, oh, I hate that bloke and stuff. And I say, yeah. hate him. You don't even know him. Yeah, you know, he's yeah, a yeah. nice bloke. And you, you just have this perception of somebody based on what you see in the ground. And and, and, and often they get antagonised by the opposition. So when they give a bit back, people don't like it and stuff. But at the end of the day, if you give it, you're going to have to take it as well. Yeah, well to be fair, sir, was he, the, the perception of Trevor Francis was that he was a risible sod, and that was absolutely true, isn't it? Well, <laughs> eh, he, did, he, he, did, he, he did his best to sort of undo what was quite... Uh, Steve Bruce's team, I think, was quite... I mean, Clint, I don't know what your Great view team. is, yes. but it, really was quite, it was a very attractive team. We had Johan yeah. Kirovsky, yeah. Clinton Dougie. Yes. It was good to watch. Yes. It was... It was mm. nice. We nice. We, we played good football and we yes. looked like we were going places and all that sort of got turned into get Jovan out, get Aki, uh, Adi Akinbae and all this kind of stuff. And it, mm. it just all went very quickly away, didn't it? From yeah. Sort of, I, I, did, I don't think Trevor did a particularly uh, great job and I don't think his manner and all of those things did him any favours either, yeah. to be honest. I'd agree. Uh, to be fair, there was one moment which I kind of look back now and I think to myself, I let myself down, but it was one of those things that my head had gone at the time. We were playing, I think, crew away and we were losing. And it got to half-time and he said, I'm top goal scorer and we were flying before that, as Selzy said, with Steve Bruce and stuff like that. So I, I, I'd already, I might have gone a little bit because I, I was devastated Steve Bruce had left. I thought he, he was brilliant for me and what he was doing at the football club. So it kind of affected me a bit. But it was, we were losing and he said, oh, I'm making a change. And he said, oh, I'm taking a double change or something. So he said, he's taking me off. I said, no, nah, I'm not coming off. 
no way, I'm top ghost floor, I ain't coming up. He said, no, you're coming up. I said, all right, cool, I'm coming up. So you know what I did? The whole time he spoke at halftime, I just told him, you're rubbish, you don't know what you're doing. So for the whole 10, 15 minutes of the whole half, I'm telling Trevor Francis he's a rubbish manager. I don't mind telling you the truth on it because I've learned a lot since then, and I'll be honest with you because it's what the Palace fans want to hear. It's the it's a big regret I have in, in my career. I just said, you're rubbish, you're rubbish. Eventually, some of the senior pros come over and say, Clinton, Enough's enough now, shut up. Go get in a shower and stuff like that. So I think he only had two or three minutes to really do his team talk. And it's kind of one of my biggest regrets because I see Trevor Francis now and I'll speak to him and stuff like that. We're, we're, we're friends, but I just think him managing for me, he couldn't get the best out of me. It's the same with Peter Taylor. He's a friend of mine now, but he couldn't get the best out of me. For the love of me, I don't understand how I couldn't get in Peter Taylor's team. No disrespect to the strikers that were playing, but that that just annoyed me, really. And truly, if I think about it, I, there's so much more goals I could have had for Crystal Palace if these two managers had played me more regular. Because under all my other managers... I was nine times out of ten a regular. And when I wasn't a regular, with like someone like Alan Smith, it told me the reason why I'm not a regular and why I have to get back in and I work hard to get back in. But it just felt like to me under Peter Taylor, I was I had to keep proving myself, proving myself. And in the end, in the end, I just was falling out with him. It was either going to be me or him, and eventually he left. So it was quite lucky that it did happen. But th- that's not to say now, if I see Peter Taylor and Trevor Francis now, yeah. I've got utmost respect for them for what they've done in the in the game and stuff like that. But it's just two managers I didn't really get on when they were coaching me at the time. But there's that strange thing with Peter Taylor Clinton when remember you, you were on 99 goals yeah. for Palace, yeah, and then. He didn't play you for a couple of... T- it, it, it's almost like he was suggesting that it, it got into your head because you couldn't get that 100th goal. Yeah. And then he didn't pick you. And it seemed like you were, you were fighting with him about w- w- yeah. how important that 100th goal was. Yeah, it was, it was important. And you know what? I was probably snatching at things and stuff like that. So he probably was right to take me out of the team. But the way he took me out of the team to make me focus, to go, come back in, he just completely... He didn't even say anything to me. He just said, oh, you're not playing. If he just said to me, Clinton, it's not... And he doesn't have to explain, looking back on it, he don't, but... I feel like what I've done for him and obviously sometimes a football club he can come and have a word with me and tell me why he's left me out and stuff like that but he didn't and then eventually obviously I think it, it might have been I think Neil Warnock came in and then yeah. I think he came in and then put me straight, straight back in the team and then against QPR I just remember getting my 100th goal it's the biggest weight off my shoulders but it was probably because I was snatching at things but I just didn't get understand why Peter Taylor took me out because I was born to score goals and when you're taking out a striker who's confident in front of goal you're going to knock his confidence and he did he knocked my confidence at Crystal Palace I, I don't mind coming out and saying that at the time I wouldn't have said it right now he did knock my confidence massively it's funny, isn't it? I listen to a lot of other football podcasts with ex-pros and stuff, and some managers are really good at that man management thing. They know how to handle players. They know every mm. player's different, and you talk to players differently. Mm. And sometimes you get these guys come along, and it's just like they just don't have that skill to talk to people. No. And you are saying earlier about Koppel getting you. It just clearly these yeah. guys just didn't get you. No, Peter Taylor didn't get me. He had his own... He wanted to bring in... He brought in James Colcroft and Shefty Kucci. He wanted the two... He wanted big men up front yeah. um, and stuff like that. That's how he wanted to play. Fair enough. I, I respect that. Someone who I didn't think would get me when he came to Crystal Palace, but eventually did get me, was Neil Warner. I, when he came through the door, I was disgusted by the training and stuff like that. I was like, what is this guy? I don't, don't want to do this with him. And then eventually, he got me. And he was brilliant because all the goals I did score in and around the six-yard box. What he used to do is every Thursday, bring in the youth team players and we watch my videos and my goals of scoring. And he'd say, how comes Clinton scoring goals in a six-yard box? Some would say, 
He's in the right place at the right time. He's saying that's a skill because it doesn't keep dropping to him. He knows he's anticipating where the ball's going to be. So he used to show them to the youth team and I used to take great pleasure out of him doing that. And I see, see what's um, Neil now and he's still as bubbly and, he, and he's brilliant. He always gives me big hugs. So that's a manager who at the start, I didn't really have a lot of respect for, but now at the end, I've got utmost respect for him. So it's brilliant. I, and probably the best manager I had at Crystal Palace, everyone knows it, is Steve Bruce, because yeah. just the way he was man managing and know how to manage me was superb. But that's also Steve Coppola, I'd have to throw into that. He was, he was magnificent for me as well. He's the one who gave me my opportunity, but he's a legend at the football club anyway. But I didn't get to work with him for, too much, for much long, that much long. But I think Steve Bruce for me, was, was brilliant. In the short time he was at Crystal Palace, he kind of got me and wanted me to express my ability. But I've had a lot of good managers at Crystal Palace and stuff like that. So, and it's the best place where I've played my football. Everyone will tell you. If you're going to ask anyone that says Clinton Morrison, the first thing they'll say, Crystal Palace, do you know what I mean? So, and that's where I had my best time. It's, it's strange, because you're talking about <coughs> Steve Bruce there, who's a, a centre-back. Yeah. Neil Warnock, who wasn't a, a brilliant footballer, <laughs> was also a defender. But but you, you you got Trevor Francis and Peter Taylor. And Trevor Francis was the best yeah. striker in the in the country, in, in Europe at one stage. Yeah. Peter Taylor was the most one of the most skillful wingers I've ever seen. So you'd think they would be the ones who understood the striker's mentality, wouldn't you? Yeah. And, yet, and, yet, and yet not. You're spot on, Kev. Yeah, I, I, did, I, did, I just didn't get it. But then I think... Trevor Francis, when he started to join in training and would give it the big and I think my, my head had gone from there where I would just try to kick him every day in training anyway. When he joined <laughs> in with us, I used to say to one of the defenders, if you nail him, the drinks are on me the next time we're out. <laughs> so I'd always say that because he, he was good. To be fair to him, he was good. He still, you can see Trevor Francis had some serious ability and he was a serious player, but we, me and him, just, we just didn't see eye to eye. And it could happen. He, someone could have something in their head. Yeah, don't yeah. see eye to eye with a player. And it just happens. It doesn't mean now if I see him now, I ain't got no respect from it. It's just one of those things. You just have to move on from football. So I, there's a few regrets at Crystal Palace. But all in all, I, I enjoyed my time at Crystal Palace. One of the best cl- Well, the best club I played for, to be fair. I've, I've got this theory, and I don't know if you agree with this, Clint, that I yeah. think a lot of managers, they... What they were as players, yeah. they overcompensate yeah. for as managers mm. the other way. So if they're like George Graham, for instance, was known as Stroller, yet his teams were all hard-working, disciplined, very yeah. fit. Yes. You know, Steve Coppel yeah. was a sort of tricky, clever yeah. winger, but his team was very direct and, mm. and powerful. And I think they all, all look at things that they didn't have necessarily in their and, and over over sort of compensate on the other side for the, for those sort of yeah. things that they didn't have as players and see it as more perhaps more important or or they're they're more frightened of the outcome in that sense. Yeah, I don't Frank, know. Frank, Frank, no, Frank De Ball was a good player. His team was shit. You know. Yeah, I, I agree with that because if you see because Peter Taylor good, good player, but what Peter Taylor is very good. On the training pitch, so coaching-wise, very good. Man management mm. and management skills, not for me to be fair. I don't think his man management skills are good. Neil Warnock, great man management skills. On the training pitch, I didn't like some of his drills that he done. So everyone, everyone's different. I agree with Selzy as well. I think yeah, they try to take how they were as players. They try to change themselves when they become management. Just be the same because that's the only way. And I know it's going to be difficult because you, sometimes you're not going to have the best group of players to work with. But you've got to try to... That's why you're a manager. You've got to work with the players and, and improve them and make them better players. Who were your favourite strike partners at Palace, Clinton? Uh, Dougie Friedman was 
the best I played with. The, 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 we, we were on a different level, me and Dougie. He, he, he used to say, you play high up, he'll, he'll drop in the number 10 role that we call it now. And the overs that we used to do, it was just telepathic. We were always in line with each other. I assisted him, he assisted me. And me and Dougie, sometimes when we were off the pitch, we, I was so cheeky. He, he fell out with me. He used to fall out all the time. It, we were, he probably hated me. We, he loves me now because we talk, we, we talk all the time now, obviously. But he, he, he probably hated me when I was there because I was just a mouthy so-and-so as a youngster. Everyone will tell you <laughs> that's just how I was and it's just the way I was as a person. But he eventually got how I was, to be fair. I think Leon McKenzie, I played well. I liked playing with Leon, very hard-working centre-forward who did well. But I think for partnerships, I'd say Dougie Friedman, for me at Crystal Palace, he's probably one of the best I've had in my whole career because the two of us, we just kind of had, we had the same wavelength in it. He, he, he's so clever, to be fair. He's such a clever footballer. And he was good. And I, I finally enjoyed it because some of the other strikers, it was I was in playing with them for a few, like 10 games and then come up. Couldn't really build up a partnership. Probably I would have liked to have played with Andy Johnson a bit more, could have, because like yeah. AJ was a terrific striker, just a goal scorer, where I could have probably have done the Dougie Friedman, because the more experience I got, the more I had to change my game of not playing on shoulders, dropping into holes because you're not as quick. So I could have done that, but it was difficult then. When I went back to Palace, it, it was different. Ian Dowie was playing a different way, and AJ was very good at playing up front by himself because he could frighten defenders. So that would have been a good one to play with, with him because I think we would have caused all sorts of problems. But I'd say Dougie Freeman, without a shadow of doubt, the best striker. I, I do. I remember a goal at home to Stoke, I think it was, where you and AJ did a nice little give and yeah, go. Yeah, it was, the, you, it was an over, over and he caught it, stepped yeah. over and then he dinked him. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, That was lovely. Good. And, and it was, yeah. I enjoyed watching uh, Selzy wince as you were praising Dougie Freeman there as well. So I, I know, was, I know, um, I know. <laughs> that's why I keep saying it and saying it because I know what Selzy's like. No. <laughs> I'm a fan of Dougie the player. Not Dougie. Yeah, Ford, I know he is. See, that's why I said it. <laughs> but, so, yeah, uh, I went. I went off for a cup of tea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Has he stopped talking about Dougie Freeman now? <laughs> yeah, so. It goes back to what you were saying earlier about off, is, is it is it not as important to get on off the pitch sometimes? Does it not matter as long as you're getting on on the pitch? No, it depends. You can say that, but look at Teddy Sheringham and Andrew Cole. Yeah, they didn't get on off, no. off the pitch, but you see them on the pitch. Magnificent footballers, goal scorers, played well together. So. It just depends, really. Um, everyone, it, it does help if you're friends off the pitch because look at Dwight, York and Andy Cole. They were friends off the pitch and on it and they had a terrific partnership. And there goes Kenzie. Hey, little cat there. <laughs> but, yeah, that was it. but yeah, that was the partnership was um, yeah, magnificent. Yeah, that's my cat. That's my cat free. Yeah, yeah, cat free. That's free with the cat. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Get off the table, dude. Come on. But yeah, but me and Dougie. No, we, I, didn't, I wouldn't say we, we didn't hate each other. We just didn't like the way sometimes... I would act and he was always trying to, trying to help me and I, re- I respected him for that to be fair to him but yeah when, once we crossed that white line it was just football we just wanted Palace to win and we wanted each other to score goals so it, it was brilliant um, let's go back to the, the Steve Bruce uh, time yeah. because, I mean obviously we were flying at the time I remember going to Wolves away and Jovan Karofsky scored we won 1-0 top of the league and then he leaves what was yeah. it like for you when you found how did you find out and then what was it like when you found out well, you hear the rumours and stuff like that of Birmingham being interested. You think to yourself, you've started Titan Gear. When you're, when you're at the top of the um, championship, you've got a great chance of getting promoted. And he's the chairman at the time. Was it Simon Jordan? 
Yeah. Was it? Yeah, so yeah. obviously Simon <laughs> Jordan is there. Who, who's, who, oh, I, liked, I like Simon Jordan a lot, to be fair. So I've got a lot of time for him. He's, he's a brilliant chairman for me. But I think Steve, I'm, going for, I'm going for another cup of tea. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say <laughs> But Steve Vickers, we had Steve Vickers there. Yeah. Oh, and I, I don't know, I think it was something to do with Steve Vickers. I think Steve Bruce wanted to keep him. I don't know what it was with Simon, Simon Jordan and that, but he was brilliant, Steve, because he marshaled the defence with Hayden Mullins, and I can't remember who played on the left, the left-hand side of it, but we had, they played three at the back, and it was a strong um, back three and stuff like that. And then I think Vickers might have been going back, and Steve Bruce might have had a falling out, and then obviously Birmingham came along, and then you figure to yourself, just stay, please. Because if he stays, we get out of that league and go to the Premier League without a shadow of doubt, because... Yeah. We had some players. Jovan Karoski, as Sozi and you mentioned earlier, what a player, by the way. You don't. I know he was at Man United for a bit, but he's such an intelligent footballer, so clever, played just behind me and Dougie. And it, it, it was brilliant. It's like we had two number 10s because Dougie would drop in there. Yeah. And it was just clever footballer. Julian Gray on one wing, Jamie Smith on the other wing. The team was really good at Aki Realati, even Aki was brilliant, like really unsung hero. A lot Palace fans appreciate Aki, and you would always people would say, What does he do? He does a lot of work off the ball, Aki. Brilliant midfielder. So the team was good, but it was disappointing when he left. I'm not gonna lie. And it kind of it changed, and then we just fell out of the playoffs, and then we just end up finishing mid-table, and it, it turned out to be a disappointing season. So I always say that to Steve Bruce, and I up until this day now, why did you leave? And he just goes, oh, you know, it's um, the chairman and stuff. And I was like, no, why did you leave? But he never yeah. wants to give me the honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, Clinton, that's why there's, there was so much animosity from Palace fans <clears throat> to Steve Bruce. And there still yeah. is. Not, not because he left and the way he left, but because that team was so... It was the first team we'd had in four or five seasons that was you properly look forward to yeah. going to see because that, that was a really good attacking forward thinking team like you say with goals from all over the pitch. So, yeah. and, and it was so clear that the players were upset that he'd left because you could see their shoulders down. Yes. It wasn't the same the next three or four games. They just looked deflated. Yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. Everyone was devastated, to be fair. He'd built the team. He came in pre-season and he was really good. His pre-season was, was excellent. Everyone was looking forward to it. You're obviously a big name like Steve Bruce coming to coach your football club. It's, it's totally different and it's brilliant. Bro. So we were all looking forward to it. And then not one single player, even the ones that were on the bench, were coming on making an impact were happy that he went. Everyone was disappointed. And it kind of ruined the season. And as you said, yeah. we were all flat. And we shouldn't have been because we were still at a great chance. But obviously, you get disrupted as players and you talk to each other in the change room. And it kind of had a big effect on the season. So, yeah, we, it kind of just fizzled out in the end. And I thought that was our great opportunity to get back to the Premier League. And was it was it Bruce that then took you to Birmingham? Was it the end, was it the end yeah, of the yeah, season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took me. I, to be fair, this was a difficult one because I wanted to play Premier League football. And I remember Simon Jordan saying to me, I don't want you to go. And I was like, I don't want to leave Palace, but I want to play Premier League. I don't want to go through my career where I've not been given that opportunity to play in the Premier League. I need to test myself in the best league. So I just... I was walking around the training ground. I was like, chairman, I just want to go and play football. Just, just I mean, Premier League. That's the only reason I want to leave this... Um, Football club. And because Steve Bruce is there, a manager who I've got a lot of time and respect for. Because I know Palace fans at the time were kind of disappointed that I'd left and stuff like that. But in the end, it kind of worked out all right. Because you got big money for me, 
You've got Andy Johnson, <laughs> who's a legend yeah. at the football club, who scored yeah. loads of goals. So in the end, it worked brilliant for the football club. And then I came back in about four or five years later anyway. And so it all worked That's out That's when brilliant. things started to go wrong again, didn't it? Exactly. So you hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> See, Chelsea knows it went wrong. But you know what? The club made money. So I was happy about it. But no, I just wanted to play in the Premier League. And credit to Simon Jordan. See, a lot you know, of people... Pa- Go on, Celsius, you, go on. you know, you said that earlier about right time, right place, and you're yes. reading those second balls all the time and where yes. they're going to drop. Mm. Am I right in saying, and this is just from my memory, Yes, mate. did you only score one goal for Palace outside the penalty box? Yeah, that was that... home to Swindon, round Frank Talia, bent in the top corner, didn't you? <laughs> oh, what a shout, by the way. You know what, I'm just amazing. about to tell him the goal, you know, because I remember the goal. Do you know why I remember the goal? Because it wasn't even with my right foot. I remember the ball coming into me in the centre-half of the... Yeah. And I spun him onto my left foot, and it's kind of like a swinger, but it looks brilliant. Left foot, and it kind of bends over the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. I it was, we ended up losing Yeah, we lose 2-1 then, yeah. but I take my shirt off, and I got the baggiest yeah. vest on, on ever underneath. But that's how we were yeah. struggling at Palace was that, was that one of your next goals after the after the Sheffield Wednesday? Was that yeah, the next that was one of my, scored, Yeah, that was, was one of my... Yeah, and then all of a sudden, I just kicked on from there, mate. But yeah, yeah. I remember that. You are right, because everyone was to say, he never scored from outside the box, but I didn't have <laughs> yeah. Power in my legs to score from outside yeah. the box. <laughs> yeah, goal scorers. Yeah, goal scorers. Yeah. I just yeah. used to follow up or if it's whipped in yeah. trying to get in front of the um the centre half and stuff like that. So in a team like this now, in Palace's team now, I just stay in a six yard box now. If I've got Wilf and Andros on on either wing now, I'd love to have played in a team now. But I just stay try to stay in a box. I think too many strikers nowadays too fixated of doing stuff outside the box. Not me. I don't care about getting. In that build-up, I just want—I just wanted to score goals, so I just stay in the box. I think I think the old-fashioned striker yeah. is 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 unfashionable in that sense yeah. because yes. the yeah. when I used to say to Gary, those ten <laughs> years I worked with Gary, I'd say yeah. we don't get forward players that like want to get across the defender at the near yes. post in the six-yard box. Everyone wants to shape it and bend it around yeah. the keeper and all <laughs> that sort of stuff. Those sort of old-fashioned goal scorers, they, they don't really exist so much now, I think. You know? No, you're right. You're right. I, I just always, I remember when there was coaches, a youngster, just always get into the box. If Because we, we played together as a two, they'd always say the first centre-forward make a, a run across the near post and the back, and someone come to the far post. So that was me. But then once, because I wasn't the biggest striker, I just used to try and just dart across the near post, like make a movement to go back and then come across the centre-half. Um, centre but I just loved in a six-yard box. Don't ask me to go and dribble and beat six players and put it in the top corner, because that's not my game. Clint's game is either being offside, which Palace fans remind me of all the time, <laughs> even up until now, or scoring little scrappy goals. <laughs> Whenever Palace fans now, you, you, Selzy was one, Selzy would be in a stand. Clint, get onside. I said, all right, Selzy, I can hear you. <laughs> you, uh, you were good with your back to go. Yes, you mate. You yes. could take it with your back to yeah, go. Yeah, I had to work on that, though, Selzy. Like yeah, I worked good, on you that. were good with your back yeah. to goal. I think I think yeah, that was a very big quality of yours. Do you know what JDAK? He actually, he Zosie, fair play to him because a lot of people have said that to me how good I was. So he does know his football. So I know a lot of people like to have a go at Zosie. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do like to have a go at Zosie, but he does know what he's talking about. He's a bit controversial. They they don't like to hear things that aren't quite fitting with their narrative. So yeah, but when that's, football's about opinions. You're not all going to agree with the same thing. Yeah. You do know what you're talking about because back to goal. Yeah, I wasn't very really good at that. Yeah, don't don't, don't listen to Zosie. 
and me about being offside because we could be two yards. We could be two yards behind the defender and still be offside. Mate. <laughs> I, think, I, I think your mate Bruce was offside more often. Yeah, than you, exactly, you say, mate. That, yeah. that was his lean. That was his lean. That, 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 that was his position. That was that slanty Bobby Brown Oh mate, um, did it, Clinton? Did it as a you know? Everyone says strikers are really selfish. If if Palace had lost, but you'd scored, were you were you fairly happy in the dressing room, or was the, the was the result more important than you scoring? No, I was still disappointed we lost. But when I get home, I'm obviously happy we um, we won. But no, nah, I went to I went. If we had won and I hadn't scored, I was happy we won. But I was so disappointed I hadn't scored. You always want to score, but if we'd lost and I scored, I. I I was happy I got the goal, but I weren't happy now because you want to win football matches for your team. Yeah. It doesn't. I think as a youngster, you think like that, but as you get older and older, the team's the most important yeah. thing. You do have your goal tallies at the end of it that you have at the season that you want to get to, but the team comes before anyone scoring goals. That's why I hate nowadays. Not nowadays, it's a bit different, but when I, two people are going for goal, and you just square it to your, your mate and let him have a tapping, but you try and score and you miss. You better make sure you score because if I'm in that position and you've missed, I'm going to let you know about it for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly have been watching me play at Sunday League. Yes, um, mate, I have. <laughs> before we go, come on to you returning to Palace, just yeah. that uh, talking about that goal against Swindon there, obviously that was yeah. the administration season, 98-99, and we, we used 44 players that season. It yeah. was absolutely yeah. crazy. What, but, was, that, was that Goldberg one? Was that Mark Goldberg yeah, one? Yeah, when we yeah, come so, down. Yeah. When we come, come down. down. So yeah. it, was, it was hard times there because I played for free at Palace. But to be fair, I was one of the youngsters and they came in and asked everyone who wants to play for free. Obviously, some of the older pros had mortgages and stuff. They didn't want to play for free. They were like, no chance. So some of the youngsters and me, I, I played for free. I said, this is my club. They've given me the opportunity. I know for a fact we ain't going to be in administration for long. It's a time to go and showcase my ability in front of everyone. I'm going to get opportunities. It's Crystal Palace Football Club because at 16 years of age, I didn't, I didn't have nowhere to go. They gave me a trial. Peter Nicholas gave me a child, gave me the opportunity after I was released at Tottenham. So I thought, I owe this football club, they gave me a chance to be a professional. And it kind of galvanised. Are you still claim to be a Tottenham fan after they <laughs> let you go? How about that? No, I'm more of a Palace fan now well, than I am a Tottenham fan. Saying, yeah. Palace are playing Tottenham, I want Palace to win. Don't worry about yeah. that, mate. <laughs> FA Cup final, Palace-Tottenham, I'm in my Palace chair. Don't worry about that. I, I, was at, I was at Chelsea at 16 when they let me go, and I'm still spitting feathers every time I step back inside. Not that I'm bitter or anything. I'm a bit bitter as well. I've never been to the new stadium, and I won't go, mate, unless yeah. I'm working. <laughs> But yeah, I think the administration was was hard time, but I think most of the youngsters came to the fore there and kind of showcased their ability. And then we managed to get out of administration and, you know, we've always been a team and then went back in it again. We've always been a team like that, but it looks like we're settled now and we ain't going to be in administration. We've got some good good owners who got their heads screwed on and we're looking after the club really well. Um, you get in trouble for saying stuff like we've never had it so good, Clint. Oh, you try to explain this, this to people. I know, you know mate, we, I know we do. But eight, eight, years, been, eight years in the Premier League, mate, and a great been, manager, and a great chairman, and all that. I don't sort care of stuff. who wants to say anything to me. I've been through everything with this football club from when I was younger. At the moment, Steve Parrish and 
and all the other people that are working at it, they're doing a brilliant job. I know people can say, we ain't spending enough, enough money. They're balancing the books really well. Look where we are in the Premier League. We, we managed to stay in the Premier League for a long time now. We're a Premier League football club, and I'm so happy my, my club are doing well. So, listen, fans are never... Every fan's not going to want to agree with all of us what we got here, but it's all about opinions, and I think the owners and everyone at the football club are doing a great job. I think it's hard to disagree with that when you see where we are. Of course. Um, just, yeah. just briefly on that 98-99 season, that it, having financial problems and everyone leaving and so many players, it really worked in your favour, didn't it? They, it oh, gave yeah. you more opportunities. And then I was watching, as weirdly, I was watching the season review today and you popped up with so many goals in that season, you must have just felt like this is my chance to shine. It kind of, that was the, that was the season that put me on, on the map, to be fair, where people were saying, oh, the youngsters, Clint Morrison's scoring a lot of goals, he can score goals and stuff like that. I was still raw, I had loads to learn, but I was just in the right place at the right time and I was just enjoying scoring goals for Crystal Palace. So that season kind of helped me. Sometimes things happen in football, like administration happened, it was a good time for me and obviously all, some of the youngsters, that, like people like Hayden Mullins who could come in as well and showcase um, their ability and we managed to do that. So yeah, that kind of helped. It was sad for the club what was going on, but I knew in my heart of heart we'd always get out of it because it was a, a, big, a big club for me in South London and it was a popular club and someone would come and take over the club, which they did do and we got our administration. So it was good. But yeah, that season I really enjoyed myself and scored a lot of goals. But you know what, JD, I can't even remember all of those seasons, but what I can remember is every season I was playing for Palace. I enjoyed playing for Palace. And even if it was a like the fans now, it's always packed now. I would have loved to have played in that mm. when we, when I was playing. Yeah. Some nights it was packed and some days it wasn't packed, but that's just where we were as a football club at that time. We weren't in the Premier League, we were in the Championship, sometimes mid-table, you know, and the cost of coming to football is difficult. Now, if I was playing for Crystal Palace now in the Premier League, let me tell you something. I would absolutely love it. I, I like I go when I go back to Sellers now, I'm gutted. I'm I'm kicking every ball in the stand because I want to be out there. Because that's my pitch. I'm seeing balls flashed across the six yard box. I'm like, that's my goal. But I don't want to I don't want to shout at the centre forwards, but I'm saying, get in the balls. What are you doing? <laughs> don't worry about that, Clint. Just imagine the 120 grand a week as well. That, you know well, Selzy, well, Selzy, I was gonna say. But I didn't want people to think I'm too green. <laughs> <laughs> but it, mate, it always came across that you enjoy. I think that's the one thing that a lot of Palace fans could see on the pitch that you were clearly enjoying yourself. Oh, passionate. I love that football club. As I've said, this, this club will... It's, it's the best club I've played for, without a shadow of a doubt. Everyone will say that. Every, whenever you say to someone, Clayton Morrison, they'll say, Crystal Palace, as I said earlier on. And, and I love the football club. I love what they're doing at the moment. I speak to a lot of the players, as I, obviously... I speak to the I speak to the chairman. I, I, I do speak to the chairman. I have a good relationship with Steve Parrish, which, which is really good. I speak to Brighton and people like that. So I love the football club. I love what they're doing. Obviously, they're sorting out the academy at the moment. One thing with Palace, we've always had brilliant academy. We put if you look at the players that have come through, the yeah. list is unreal. And I'm talking back from way back where I'm talking like Ben Watson and people like we had like people like Ben Watson. Tom Saws, Nathaniel Klein, Wayne Routledge. The list goes on and on and on with with some of these. Now you look at look at Wan Bissaka. I speak to people now at Man United. They say to me, 
the fifth, the money that they paid for him is is a bargain. It's a what Man United wow. paid to Crystal Palace. It is a bargain because they think to me he's going to be the best right back yeah. in the world. They think eventually. Wow. Yeah, that's how that's how good they think he is at Man United at the moment. And they say you think you, they say he lets you go past. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to make the tackle <laughs> because he knows he can make the tackle. And that's why they've nicknamed him Spider. Look at that. He's playing for one of the well, if not from my eyes, the best football club in world football. And he's come through the academy. So you have to give huge credit to the academy at Crystal Palace. We've always produced time. people like Victor Moses, Sean Scannell, yeah. Wilfred Zaha. The list goes on and on and on. It's, it's been frightening, to be fair. Clinton, not, not everyone says Clinton Morrison, Crystal Palace. My family and Donny Gall say Clinton Morrison, they say Ireland International. But seriously, I, I grew up in Tootie Bay, you grew up in Tootie. Yeah. Could you ever imagine as a kid that you'd, you'd play football for the Republic of Ireland? I mean, did you dream of playing for England? Did you yeah, dream of playing I'll, I'll be honest, international football? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think every kid that's born in England dreams of playing um, for England without a shadow of doubt. And I've just been called up to the England under-21s, but... I think Salzy might know him. Taff Ian Evans, who used to Ian Evans, with, yeah. Yeah, Ian Evans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know him as well, Kev. He used to yeah. he worked with Mick McCarthy, he was his assistant. I kept saying to him, you know I've got Irish in me, but he's looking at me thinking, Clint, shut up, man, you're talking nonsense. Well, you had an Irish setter off, he yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> so my nan my nan was Yeah, my nan no, my nan was Irish, so if your nan's Irish, you, you could have played for them. So I remember my agent sort of meeting, got a meeting. And we, it was organised, but we, to be fair, we went and met uh, met him, and he kind of like he just sold it to me. It was how good it would be playing for Ireland and stuff like that. There's a chance of going to a World Cup and being involved in it. And I just thought to myself, I'd just been called up to the under 21s, and I just thought to my, let me weigh up the options. I spoke to my nan, and obviously she was saying, "Come play for Ireland. They'll love you over there." I just made the decision, and as soon as I went over there. I was nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I was hugely nervous of going to play for um, Ireland, being born in England and South London accent and stuff like that. You started thinking, how are you going to be accepted? But let me tell you something, the Irish fans, unbelievable. They just took to me straight away. I scored a lot of goals for the for the country and yeah. it's, it's brilliant. I go back over there now and I'm, I'm, they, they like me. I love the place and stuff like that. So I kind of think that's my second home at the moment because I always yeah. go back over there but it was brilliant times playing for Ireland you get to play with quality players like Robbie Keane Damien Duff Shea Given Ray Keane the list goes on and on there was some John O'Shea Richard Dunn terrific players yeah. also Clinton bear in mind most of the players in the 90s played for Ireland weren't Irish either <laughs> well I'm waiting for you to say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, and they, debut goal as well there yeah against Croatia I remember coming on and thinking what kind of reception am I going to get but they, they, it was at Lansdowne Road. It was a brilliant reception. I just thought to myself, you're going to get an opportunity, mate. When you get an opportunity, just clean contact like I did with my Palace debut. But it was easier. I think this one, it was, um, so I think Dave Conley or Jason McAtee had a shot and he parried it, the Croatian goalie. And I just come on to it. I just thought, side foot into the bottom corner. And I just went away, celebrated in the corner. And then I just knew that day I was 100% Irish. <laughs> I, just felt, nah, I, just felt, I just felt brilliant. And it was brilliant. And the players accepted me. The crowd accepted me. And it was just brilliant. Every time I got picked to go international, I loved it. Going and training with some of the best players and, and learning a lot. It just gave me a big buzz. And when I came back to Palace... I was on cloud nine and then I went to Birmingham and I was on cloud nine when I went away. So it was, it was just a brilliant occasion for me putting on that Island shirt. 
Lansdowne Road was an amazing place for international yes. football. Yeah. It, it, was, it had a clubhouse, right? When yes. you went there. I yeah. remember watching Dino, Dean Kiley, play yeah. for the. You might have even. I don't know. I don't know if you. Yeah. Dino was in the squad with me, man. Yeah, 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 yeah I was going to yeah. say. This was. He played, they played against Denmark, I think, in a game, in a, in a pre World Cup game. Where was that at home? It was at Lansdowne. We won 3 I Yeah, I went I over to Yeah. I can't remember who the player was, but you'll remember this. Yeah. I laugh in my head off because you yeah. think about the way football fans behave. Yeah. I think that 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 uh, Denmark must have bought on, and I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was loud drop or something, but it was somebody who yeah. played for Rangers. Yes. And when they made the substitution, <laughs> they yes. booed, right? And the oh, I'll tell you who it was. It was Peter Lovenkratz. Peter Lovenkratz. That's right? it. Right? Yeah, so exactly. on, and yeah. they booed, right? And the bloke yeah. over the tunnel went, we're Irish football supporters. We do not boo the opposition's players. <laughs> <laughs> Basically corrected all the crowd. I've never heard of it. I know, it's crazy. Of course he's, he's going to boo. He for Rangers. He's going to boo him, aren't he? <laughs> Dino, see me in the clubhouse after. Dino, this is international football. He's not at the park team. He's like... <laughs> Going this little clubhouse after the game, it's like it's yeah. unbelievable. Honestly, the clubhouse what is doing? like a proper little clubhouse. Yeah. When you look at, it, you're thinking, obviously England got their big Wembleys yeah. and that. It's just a little clubhouse <laughs> that can hold about twenty or thirty people. But it was brilliant. <laughs> really it was more awesome. of a club setup than an international yeah. setup. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what were the island fans like with you? Magnificent, J J D. Unbelievable. The, they just talked to me straight away. They kind of, funny. I learned Gaelic football. I learned the hurling. We used to do it in training, and they, they just talked to me and made me one of their own. Um, they were magnificent. Got so much respect and time for them, and they're still they're still good to me now. I'm I'm real, mate. And and they were brilliant. Even in bad times, they still back me and want me to do well for the country and stuff like that. So credit to them. You drink a lot of Guinness, you Guinness Guinness man. To be fair, so so he Kevin Kevin probably so he knows, but Kevin might not know. But I don't drink alcohol, mate. I'm not. I don't like alcohol. <laughs> not normally. No, so I don't yeah, like the taste right. of it. But yeah, yeah I might have had a. <laughs> I might have had <laughs> one sip. Not anymore. Not anymore. Nice try, Clint. Out of your out of your career, then all these Palace, Birmingham, yes, Republic of Ireland. Who was the best player that you played with out of all of the oh, all, in all the places? See, that is so it's so good because you know you've got to realize, Sosie, we had Ashley Cole and Lone at Palace. Yeah, yeah. how good was he, by the way? Yeah. Right? So Lombardo, we had there. I know we had Thomas Brolin, yeah. but we didn't get Thomas Brolin when he was good. But <laughs> if you think about, he, we yeah. got Thomas Brolin when he did all the pies and stuff. <laughs> but he still had a little, he still, he still had, had, had a little bit of quality. Was he Gigsby, they can control it. But you can't argue with that because you're at international football. So I'd say 
for him, and he was brilliant. He came out once in, in his socks high up, his high shorts, then black Theodores he used to wear with the yellow on the side. And you're thinking, <laughs> is this really the guy, Ray King? But he was magnificent. And Robbie King is the best movement I've ever seen for a centre forward. Mm-hmm. His movement was first. Because you, everyone looks at Robbie Keane and you think to yourself, how's he getting in behind centre-halves? He's not explosive. I used to watch him in training. His movement, magnificent. And then his finishing is brilliant. Damien Duff, though, winger, sensational. And you've got to remember when he was at Chelsea, him and Robin, one season, they ripped it apart. And some of you were like this. I think, I don't know if he's friends with him, but Shea Given. He's, yeah. he, he, I know he knows Dean Kiley. Listen, we had goalies like Dean Kiley, who yeah. else was in there? There was Shea. Alan Ke- Shea and Alan. Ke- we had yeah. good goalkeepers. In theory, yeah. Dean Kylie is a top top goalkeeper. Yeah. Any probably anywhere else, he plays regular. But because Shea Given yeah. is so good, that's how difficult it was for Dino to get. That, that, that's caps. why when the uh, yeah. that's why when it all kicked off with Roy Keane in Japan. Dino put his hand up and offered to play in central midfield. Yeah, oh, out the <laughs> yeah Dino's so brilliant. Yeah, he's a goalie coach now at Paris, isn't he? But he's, he's banter. Dino's banter is one of the best banter ever. So it's all kicked off and Dino goes, I can play in midfield, you know, if you want. I said, Dino, our best players just left the World Cup. Don't put your hand up to say you can play in midfield. He's so funny, but everyone kind of ruled and went, but that's Dino for you. Dino's brilliant, brilliant. Oh, I bet that I'm, I'm guessing, I know you've been asked loads about this, but that's obviously like one of the most awkward moments of your career being in that meeting. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it's strange. Like it, it was strange. I think the whole situation probably could have been handled totally different at the time and stuff like that. But Roy just wanted stuff done properly, and you, you can't blame him. It's just the type of person he was. He's been spoiled at Man United, who have, as I said earlier, they do things really um, properly. But what I liked about Roy is. We were travelling once to a game, and we're far, like we're travelling. It must no, it wasn't to a game. It might have been to the, it might have been to the World Cup. It was to the World Cup. We're in economy, and the big FAI people are in first class. He goes down there, goes, hold on, I'm not having that. We swap in mid air after an hour. We're in the first class, and they're at the back. It was magnificent. I was sitting there, yeah, can I have an orange juice and some stuff? I felt like really. <laughs> But that was the influence he had on it. It was just brilliant. That that type of person he was. But I learned a lot from a lot of players. There's loads of players that Kenny Cunningham was a brilliant captain for me. He was my captain at Birmingham, but he was very good for Ireland. Stephen Carr, Steve Finnan. I had some players that I played mm. with for Ireland, to be fair, that have had really good careers. Um, let's talk about returning to Palace. One of our yeah. patrons has a question slash story about your return to Palace. Here we go. It's from Matt Buckland. He says, is it true that your mum persuaded you to rejoin Palace from Birmingham? I heard this as a rumour back in the day when it happened. Mum wanted me to go back to Palace after a week of being at Birmingham. She was desperate to me. She was like, this is your club. Why did you leave in the first place? And she only said that because I was living away from her and I had a big mummy's boy living there at home. But she loved Crystal Palace. And you go to Palace now, whenever I go back, everyone's like, how's your mum? How's your mum? Because you can hear her before you could see her because she's having a go at me if I'm not doing it right on the pitch. But yeah, she did. She said, son, you're not really, you're in and out of the team at Birmingham. So you don't seem happy. You might as well go back to Crystal Palace. But it, it was a strange one because Harry Redknapp wanted me at Southampton. I was I drove down to Norwich. I was ready to sign at Norwich. They had Dean Ashton and Nigel Werber and was like, sign, we got a chance of going back up. I was going to go to Southampton because but Harry Redknapp, I remember saying to Harry, you change jobs too easily. I could sign there and you could be gone. And he just started laughing. So I said, I'm not doing that. And then I remember I was just about to sign at Norwich and I got a phone call. 
from Simon Jordan. He's like, we want you um, back at Crystal Palace. And obviously Simon Jordan, I, I had a lot of time and respect for him. So I said, yeah, no worries. I just So I had to make an excuse. I felt bad. I, I, I've got to get back. I've got something to do. Can I decide on it in the next few days? So then I drove back to Palace and the next day I signed under Ian Dowie, which was, Downer, I got a lot of time for Downer. What a guy. And I, I see him now, obviously, because we worked together at Sky. And he, he's brilliant, to be fair. He's brilliant for me even now. So, And he was good at Palace. Listen, I didn't play as much. The second time, it's always difficult sometimes. They always say, don't go back. Yeah. And probably if it weren't Crystal Palace, I wouldn't have gone back. But where is Crystal Palace? And I felt like I had some unfinished business. I had to go back. I didn't, want, I didn't play as much as I wanted to. But you know what? I can't complain because Andy Johnson... Crystal Palace was on fire there so it was always going to be difficult to remove him and sometimes playing the two up front didn't really work because we had Dougie there and stuff like that but I always wanted to go back to Crystal Palace because I thought I owed them that the only thing I'm gutted about is I missed out on a testimonial by half a year I tried to tell the chairman now to sort it out and he said no I clearly need half a year I said well let me let me work at the club for half a year and then that's a testimonial he started laughing it's going to have to pay too much money that's why Jamie (laughs) a testimonial would have been amazing yeah, it would have been good. But I know, you know what? I played at Dougie's one. Sales will tell you Julian Sparoni's one was brilliant. Yeah. I think yeah, Jules, yeah. I, I don't really play football that much anymore, but I had to come out of to play for Jules because he's a legend at the football club. I love that man to be such a nice guy, unbelievable goalkeeper. Because I don't mind telling you, when he first came to Palace, I said to the manager, this guy is crap. Get him off. <laughs> his goalkeeping's crap. He's rubbish. He's terrible. He had his long hair. He was useless. He made me eat my words. He then became a good friend, an unbelievable goalkeeper. And that's why, you know why, and, and, and he's been so brilliant. This is why I have to respect Guaita this season because he had big shoes to fill in Julius Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's unreal. And he's been magnificent. If not, probably Palace's probably alongside Kato, I'd say probably best players this season. He's been superb. So credit to him, but no, Julius Baroni, unreal. What a guy and what a human being as well. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. Yes, I know you well, don't play very often, but I did play against you last year and, uh, you know, kept a clean sheet. Just want to throw No, yeah, you did well, but I didn't want to mention that because, yeah, we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> but yes, JD did do ever so well. <laughs> Had me in the pocket. I was trying to make runs in behind. He kept just shadowing me. <laughs> I need to, I need to rewind because you were talking about your mum. Yes, now, I can't yes. remember which way round this was, whether yeah. it was your mum or his mum. Yeah. What was the Rufus Brevet thing all about? No, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was my mum. I, I knew it was... Well, to be fair, we, me and Rufus Brevet had been having an argument on the pitch. And then it, I just thought that was it. But then it went into um, it went into the players' lounge. And I was like... He said, oh, you, you're a big man standing over me. I was like, oh, whatever, man, it's gone. And he's standing over me. And my mum shouts, let him stand up. Don't let him come in your face like that. And then my mum, everyone thought it was my mum. It wasn't my mum. So then obviously he's in my face. But before he could do it, it's my sister that's flown across the table and just pushed him. With his brother, and he's, and he's gone. And then it's a big little argument. And then it's turned into a big fiasco. And I, that day, I got every player who played at um, Loftus Road, it was Fulham that were playing then, they got banned from going to the players' lounge because of that commotion that we had there. And it turned into a little <laughs> big argument there. But yeah, mum... Mum loves a, mum and sister love a bit of aggro, them two. 
He knows that. That's why he's laughing. Yeah. <laughs> are you the sort of because I guess that sort of stuff happens all the time on the pitch, and you have arguments. But are you the sort yeah, of yeah? I didn't expect him to go. Yeah, I thought I didn't expect him to do it, but maybe he just dis- he disliked me and didn't like me. Oh well, it's one of those things. He soon found out the Morrison Ralph with the, t- the mum and the daughter going mad at him. That's an amazing story. Oh. Yeah. There you go. I thought I'd interject so, there and give you yeah, that little yeah. one so you didn't miss exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so you're you're a Simon Jordan fan then? I know he divides opinion, but yeah, you're, uh, you're he's, team Jordan. Uh, he, yeah, he's 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 helped, he's helped me a lot with my media. He helps me. He speaks to me regular. I'm a team Simon Jordan. Listen, what happened at Crystal Palace was disappointing for him. I knew how much he loved the football club. He was a fan, but these things happen and stuff like that. We have to move on. But for me personally, when I was at there at Crystal Palace, he, he rewarded me and gave me contracts and I could go and ring his phone at any time of the night and, it, and he'd be there for me. I know in his book he calls me a pest and stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was hard work, as everyone will tell you, but we got on well. But to be fair, I got on well with every chairman because chairmans give you contracts, so you are going to get on with them. <laughs> and they give if I was at Palace now, I'd get on with Steve Parrish. I do get on with them, but it gives the big contracts, so you do get on with the chairman. Apart from if a chairman don't like you and he wants you at the football club, but no chairman at Crystal Palace ever wanted me. Even Mark Goldberg, I liked him. He just got, I spent too much money mm-hmm. like when Terry Venables was in there he just threw fortunes at it and that was it and that's what ruined him but deep down he, he had a heart of gold and he was trying to do right for Crystal Palace but it just went wrong for him so all the chairmen that I had worked under at Crystal Palace they were all trying to do the right thing but just you know these things happen and I just think now we've got the right chairman in charge with all the owners that are there and I think the club's moving in the right direction as I've said many a times Absolutely. I think that's very fair. Like, I think it's important for people to realise, and I yeah. worked there with Mark <coughs> Goldberg, with Simon Jordan yeah. and stuff, and Steve Parrish. Whoever's in charge, and however well or badly it ends up, these people give their life fortune to the football club to try mm-hmm. and make it succeed. So whether you like them or not, or see them in a, in a negative light, these people put their money where their mouth was for exactly. your football club. So I think it... it, it you know, Simon obviously divides opinion a bit with some yeah, of the things of he says and does, yes, of course, yes, yes, me yes. included. But yeah. nobody ever wants to go in there and lose all their money. And all the fans yeah. want to give people stick. And he walks away having lost 40 or 50 million pounds mm. and, and nothing to show for it. So, yeah. And Mark Goldberg, actually, as a fella, was a nice man who just wanted yeah. to do well for Crystal Palace. And, he, and he, that, that got the better of him, actually, because he just wanted to do so well and recreate what what he wanted. I mean, none of these people want to go in there and lose or set about Mm. doing it in a way for it to go wrong. It's just, it's business and this is what happens. You know, you make a few bad calls and a few things go wrong and it changes everything and people's perception of you with it. But I felt sorry for all of them in in my own way, you know, for doing it because whatever you do, you never please everyone. Look at now we're talking about, it's still people that, don't like Steve Parrish and criticise him. How? And I, so I, know, I don't know I mean, how. How do you criticise the chairman? Yeah, you know, <laughs> the club's never been more stable. It's never been more successful. And most of the things he's done have been right so far. And exactly. if they haven't gone right, he's sorted it out. You know, yeah. I think there's nothing negative really to say about Steve, I have to say. Exactly. Let's, all right. And then obviously you, you come back to Palace three years and then leave again. I think at the end of a the end of a three year deal, possibly. That... Yeah, I shouldn't have left. To be fair, that was Neil Warner. To be fair, I left because he said to me, "You wouldn't be a regular." 
and I'm going to play, I think it was either, it might have been Big Scully, it was, it was a big striker he had, or it might have been Shefki, I'm not sure, I can't remember who it was, they're, they're going to be the regular. But that last season, or the season before that, I'd scored 19 or 22 goals, playing on the left side of a front three, and working so hard, and he was saying everyone was talking about you. This is the one regret I have in my whole career. I should have, and he kept on saying, well, we'll offer you a contract, and I was like, I'm not signing a contract. If, you're not, if I'm not going to be a regular, I'm not signing a contract. So I threw my toys out of the front. And this is the biggest regret I have in football. And I, then I went to Coventry on a free transfer and signed um, and played under Chris Coleman, which was good. But I shouldn't have left Crystal Palace. I, I should never have left. Um, that's the biggest mistake and regret I have in my career. I should have just said, forget you, no one. I'm going to work hard and get in the team. But where I'm at an age where I just thought I knew it all. I didn't know it all, so that was the only thing I could say to any youngster. If you have, if you feel like a manager don't want you, just stay there. And you want to stay at the football club, stay there and fight it out. I should have fought it out, to be fair, because I would have easily have gone and been the number nine when the results weren't going right. Yeah. But I kind of threw my toys out of the pram, and it came back and kind of bit me on the bum, really. But it's one of those things. But that is the biggest regret. I should have stayed at Palace then. It's easy in hindsight, isn't it, to look back at the Yeah, it was, it was. It was. Yeah, it's easy because once your your head's made up, I said to my agent, "Nah, I'm out of there. Like, I don't, I don't really want him." And he said, even my agent said, "I'm not, I'm not sure that's the right decision, but it's your call, clear." And I said, "Yeah, it is my call, and that's what I'm going to do." So but you'd have stayed till the end of your career, then, ideally. I'd have stayed till the end of my career. Well, until they say, "Yeah, don't play anymore," and then filter down the leagues because I still love playing football. But I should have done that to be fair to you. That's the biggest regret. Then I would have definitely had more goals than Mark Wright. <laughs> <laughs> and the testimonial and the testimonial exactly. <laughs> uh, Clinton it's been so good talking to you today no, thank you so much yeah, for your man. time mate. no it's brilliant like Kevin tells you you've got two people on JD who I like if you had someone on I didn't like then I might have said I ain't coming on but I like these two so it's all good and you know what me and Sozzy are like and you obviously we speak all the time though you're a friend now but you know and me and, you've said it with me and Selzy before as I said a yeah. lot of people don't like Selzy's opinions but I'll always back Selzy because the relationship that we've had for years I've never heard him badmouth bad me he, he he gets me you know he, he speaks to me and he's always praised me so yeah. I, I just I just I, I I respect him for that. And obviously I know Kevin as well from going to Palace and meeting him before. These are two people that I respect. So being on the show, oh, with them, I've got utmost respect for them. They get me and I get them. Clearly, um, relationships like that are important to you, aren't they? Respect and stuff 100%. like that. 100%. Listen, listen, JD, I, get, I've met, I only met you a few years ago. Me and you've got great relationships. First and foremost, we click straight away. I've done a, lots of these for you. I don't really do that for everyone. I say no. But when you ask me straight away, I said yes. It's not a problem. I'll do it. As I said, I like him and I like Selzy. Selzy knows how much I've got um, respect for him anyway because every time we see each other, it's a big hug. I'm not hugging everyone, but me and him give each other a big hug. <laughs> I've got respect for everyone here. And as everyone will know, I'm one of those people that just if I don't have respect, I won't do it. It's as simple as that. I'm at an age now, I don't have to do it. So, but I want to do it. I've just done it for over an hour and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a good laugh and I couldn't have laughed. The top man. Three the better people to do it with. Oh, man. The, <laughs> trouble, the trouble with hugging Selsey is you've got to do it in stages. That's what I said. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. Come on, man. Yeah, like this. <laughs> I don't think I don't think there's one Palace fan listening to this who won't who won't come away with an even higher mm. 
opinion of you than they had before, mate, because it was it was good of you to come on and to be so honest and to and also we all love the fact that you so clearly love the club as well. Oh, that's for for every, for every every football fan. That's the only thing that's important. You want to know yeah. that someone loves the club. As let much me tell you something, Kev. Now yeah. I love Crystal Palace, and even when the results are not going well, and I'm even working in the media, and I can see it flash up. We're losing. I'm getting a hump. But obviously, they're saying to me, hey, you can't be getting a hump. And then when I'm commentating on a game, I'm biased, but you can't help it, can you? Because it's your football club. This is my yeah, football man. club. I love the fans. I think the fans are brilliant. They always, nine times out of ten, all of them have loved me and stuff like that. And I just love going back to the football club. So to do anything for the club and Crystal Palace is brilliant because it's the club who's made me as a to be the person I am today. So... Well, mate, we love you and thank you so much for your time today. You're a legend. No worries, mate. Cheers, Cleeton. We love you, mate. Thank you, Cleeton. Speak to you soon, mate. Take care. See you, Cleeton. See you, Take care. Bye. Right, there you go. That was Clinton Morrison. What a legend. Thank you so much to Clinton for joining us. After the break, we're going to preview an actual match of football as Palace return. I know, crazy. They return to action against Bournemouth. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to part three of the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey! And part three, Kevin. Well, we haven't had a part three for months. Oh. But we're actually going to preview a game because Palace are back. They're playing Bournemouth on Saturday night. It's live on the BBC, the first ever live Premier League yeah. game on the BBC. We're gonna we don't normally do long previews on this pod. We're gonna do a quick preview. But just first of all, how are you feeling and what are you expecting from this game? Well, it's it... I've actually rearranged something tomorrow evening, podcast-wise, so I can be in front of my telly at six o'clock to watch Villa versus Sheffield United in an empty Villa park. I don't don't think... If you'd said to me a year ago, you'd be rearranging something (laughs) to watch Villa Sheffield United live. But Saturday, I'm just... I almost wish that we our game was early. It was Thursday, so you can get it out of the way and enjoy the rest of the football. Because well, yeah. every game I watch until Saturday, going to be slightly nervous about. We'll have it will be a pub quiz question of years to come because it will be, without a doubt, the highest ever TV audience for a Premier League game, without a doubt, because uh, it's live on BBC One. Uh, I just can't. I just can't wait. I mean, it's almost. I feel like I'm going to have to sit down on Friday and research the season that's happened so far, just to remind me of who's in the team and who scored the goals. But I, I think there's less there's less pressure on us. I mean, the, the way the Bundesliga has worked out, away teams have been doing really well. There's a lot of pressure on Bournemouth. They, they went into lockdown, not on particularly good form. Mm. There are relegation fears for them. I think they'll be feeling the pressure more than we will because it's, it's their home game. We, it's an old cliche, but we haven't really got anything to lose. And I... I I think the what's interesting is as soon as you mentioned it, I started to get nervous again. Which is like I've I've always not missed the the twelve weeks of no anxiety. That's that, but I, I think but come Saturday evening, I'm going to be just as nervous as I am for every game. But I'm, 
I can't wait. It's a, it's a small step in the right direction just to see. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the same watching the Bundesliga because you just don't know the players and the grounds as well as you do in the Premier League. And it's just, I think it's going to be psychologically a huge boost just to see a Palace team walk out live on on television. Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to see who the who the pundits are. I really hope Ian Wright is one of them because it'd be great for him to get excited about Palace. Obviously Shearer hates us. <laughs> but yeah. But I, I, I can't I'm genuinely, genuinely really excited. And to be honest, listening to Clinton gave me a big G up anyway. Now the idea that football's coming back is it's properly given me a lift. Well, I mean, I, I obviously I hope that we get the point that takes us to forty points and we can relax. But to be honest, Selzy, I'm almost not really bothered about what happens on Saturday. I'm just so excited to have Palace back to get back into that routine. But as Kevin said, we, we did go into the break in, in good form. Can we pay any attention to that now, or has the break been so long that form is out the window and it is kind of like starting the season again? I think the latter. I do. I think we're going to see some funny results here. I think that. Um, that, you know, form is all about confidence and the way people are feeling around that certain time and stuff. And I think it'll be like the beginning of the season when you get a few funny results because, and I said this to you earlier in the year, you don't want to play promoted teams, for instance, early in the season because they're all cock-a-hoop because they haven't had 10 pastings by then. When you play them in December and they've got used to getting flapped every week, all of a sudden, everyone in the dressing room is thinking, where's the next point coming from? Are we good enough? Can we make it? But in in August, when the sun's on their back and it's all very nice Mm. and everyone's up for it, they don't have that same same mindset. And I think that's the crucial thing. So I do think we're going to get some funny results. But seeing as we're playing you know, seven of the nine games against teams that are above us, I think that might not be a bad thing and might help us a little bit at this point. But but I'm not sure. I mean, no, nobody knows. And I know you're staying extra point, 40 points, and that should be good. But I'm still working out that Aston Villa can get 58 points. So once we've got 58 or 59 <laughs> points, I'll probably be a bit more comfortable. I, I always worry when it's mathematically possible. But that said, I mean, if we were lucky enough to win at the Vitality Stadium on Saturday night, that takes us to 42 and leaves Bournemouth on 27. There'd be a 15-point gap between us and Bournemouth. I think they do well to overturn that in the remaining uh, eight games, you know. So, I think it's it's a little bit of a worry, you know. So, every game, like Kev says, you've always got that edge to you. And we're talking about can we get higher and it's not quite over yet, the other end, although we're in a great position and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, so Villa have got 10 games left, I think, so they can get 35, uh, 55 points rather than... So, uh, you know, the sooner we get the numbers up and the, the games play out, I'm always happier. But I think if we if you'd have said to me at the start of the season, we'd be nine games left with 39 points, I would have yeah, snatched yes. your hand off. Because yeah, I thought yeah, yeah. after the transfer business or lack of that we were really going to struggle to score goals, which we we have, but you know we've managed to be so solid defensively. And after the Everton game on the first day of the season, I thought this is the shape of things to come this year. This is yeah. what it's got to be for us to survive. And you know we've done really really well to be where we are. And that's why I think you know you're talking about ambition. Two, two, two more, three more forward players, and a, and hopefully Nathan Ferguson at right back 
think we'd be in a really good position to kick on next year. But we've got to see that we're going to do it and be brave and have a go, really, within our resources, of course. I think the, the thing I'm really looking forward to, and it might not happen in the Bournemouth game, it might be the, the game after, because everyone's going to be very polite and very relieved that football's back. But there will come that moment when you leap out of your chair and you go, Ben Tecker, you what the fuck? <laughs> and you start throwing things at the telly, or, or Wilf gets clattered and you start swearing, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? Come on, man. Because that, that was kind of the pattern, we mentioned that with Clinton, that's kind of the pattern in the Bundesliga. The first two weeks, they're a little bit like training games, but now they really the intensity is really back. So it might take a while for that to to happen. But I think if any manager is going to get a Palace team, and it, and it looks like the squad is all fully fit as well, mm. so it's going to be an interesting decision for for Roy to make. And I, I think it will be a fairly typical Palace away performance, whatever the circumstances. I don't think we'll be going gung ho from the first kickoff to to try and score the first goal. We'll we'll yeah we'll take twenty minutes to suss out the situation and then try and see if we can get a goal and keep hitting them on the break. But just just the fact that it's back yeah. and the fact as well is that. You know, if, if we were at 28 points, 29 points, lockdown would have been even worse than mm-hmm. it was because you'd have been looking for ways for the season to finish, basically. You'd be going, cancel it. No, there's no <laughs> relegation. You know. But at least at least we've had that knowing that you know, we, we should be looking up rather than down. It's, you know, despite all the... the uh, you know, I'm always a glass half-empty person, but yeah, it's going to be difficult for any team to put enough... You, know, you need three teams, basically... Mm-hmm. To, to turn their form around completely from before lockdown to to be to, to overtake us. So we've got Villa to play, we've got Burnley to play. So we, yeah, we should. You've got Bournemouth to play. We should be getting enough points early on to be relatively safe. And again, I, I would actually be rather playing teams like Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea behind closed doors. Really, so I think. I think I think sometimes for all, even in that athletic articles that talk about you know Palace supporters worth the goal. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure any support. Is, is actually worth a goal lead. You know, I don't think even Anfield in the old days, and again, it's a bit of a myth and a bit of legend built up about Liverpool fans sucking the ball into the net. They, they went very quiet if they were mm. losing. I don't, I don't really think any crowd is, is that influential. Of course, you'd rather have your supporters, but I think if you're playing big teams or teams that are inverted commas bigger than us, I'd rather do it behind closed doors if you have to, to be Good. Well, yeah, that's that's positive. Clinton's been positive. I'm feeling positive. Oh, I think that's a nice part to end the podcast. So, uh, lads, thank you for joining me. And Clinton Morrison, what a legend. We hope you enjoyed that interview. We certainly did. Uh, thank you, Clinton, for joining us. And a reminder, you can join us watching the game this Saturday at our patron, patron.com forward slash FYP podcast. Join us, watch the game. Some of the familiar FYP faces will be there and we will have to probably bleep Selzy at some point. But, <laughs> no, I'll be I'll be at uh, the Vitality with my plastic nose and glasses on with my orange <laughs> coat standing in the corner painting the ball if it goes wide or something. Don't worry. Good stuff. Listen, thank you very much for listening this week and we'll be back with you next week with our first review podcast uh, in a long time. We hope you're staying safe and well and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.